So I think that's it's really forced me to be a little bit more introspective about my parenting and my approach to okay. parenting, especially around um, race, because I feel like sometimes we go on autopilot. Driven, energetic, and compassionate. Those are the three words my guest on the podcast today, Miele Adams, describes herself with, and I could not agree more. Hi, everybody, and welcome to B Squared C, a podcast celebrating the stories of women of color in the corporate world. I am your host, Nancy, and I hope everyone is safe and sane wherever you're listening to this from. This week, I sat down with one of my favorite people in the world, my African sister, who I ping whenever I just need a dose of love at work. Her name is Miele Adams, and she is a director in government affairs at Philips. But actually, she has 16 years in this space as a law and business trained professional. Two things about the conversation with Miele. The first thing is we actually had a different plan than how the conversation worked out. And this is me continuing to learn better interviewing skills and following the story in my podcasting journey. We planned to talk about her inclusion and diversity work and maybe some of the issues that affect, you know, women of color at work like microaggressions. But actually, we ended up talking about parenting while black and successful. A few things stood out for me in this conversation. One is being a successful black person sometimes means you increasingly run in non-black circles because, you know, there's just fewer and fewer of us going up. And Miele has seen that reflected in the reality of her kids and has become more intentional in her parenting um, because of it. And she shares how she is navigating this in this conversation. Secondly, I was struck by how kids are just a blank slate, so innocent, and they're just following the observations of the world and, of course, the observations of the adults around them. It reminds me of the Nelson Mandela quote. No one is born hating another person because of the color of his skin or his background or his religion. People must learn to hate, and if they learn to hate, they can be taught to love, for love comes more naturally to the human heart than its opposite. Miele has some really incredible stories about her kids on this theme. And I don't want to give too much away. Let's get into Miele's story. Miele, good morning. Good morning, Nancy. Thank you so much for waking up so early to, <laughs> to do this with me. <laughs> My pleasure. It's like 6 a.m. to you right now. And, you know, are your kids up yet? Not yet. Not yet. Thank goodness. Yeah. So we can do this when, <laughs> in peace and quiet <laughs> <laughs> for a little while. So we better get it done then. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, welcome to B Squared C. Um, I'm very excited to be doing this with you. So thank you for the invite. Of course, of course. I mean, I was always going to ask uh, to tell your story because. I can't wait for people to like just hear more about you and what you do and just like how inspiring you are. Oh, so. you're too kind. <laughs> Thanks for that. Okay, before we get too far in, I just want to give people um, kind of a little bit of sense of like the amazing things about you <laughs> a little bit. Oh. <laughs> so our guest today is uh, uh, Miele Adams. 
I'm Miel. I had to learn to say her name. <laughs> you do a great job. You got it. Yeah. Miele Adams. Um, Don't ask me to say your last name though. Oh. I'll just embarrass myself. <laughs> no, I might put you up to it like at some point of this conversation, but we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> but uh, Miele is originally from Sierra Leone, but she uh, is now based in D.C. in the U.S. Um, she is a director of government affairs at Philips and has actually been in this function for about 16 years now. So she's going to tell us a little more about what that journey has been like uh, and how she kind of landed where she is. And then <laughs> my other favorite thing about Miele is that she's like a collector of degrees. <laughs> Like African style, like she's like exactly. It's African. <laughs> like a JD, MBA, bachelor's. Were you like a double major in your bachelor's? Because you I look was. like you. I was I a double it. major and a double minor. I <laughs> I knew it. <laughs> oh my god! I and, couldn't and, help myself. I couldn't help myself. And apparently, lately, you've been looking at a PhD as well. I have been. No, we, we're going to need you to stop. <laughs> Like, I can't introduce you to my parents at this rate because African parents would be like, what are you doing with your life, Nancy? You know, I, I think my parents do the same thing to me. That might be part of my motivation. Mm. But I just, I love to learn. Um, you love to learn. I love to learn. And after a few years of not being in school, I feel like my brain starts to atrophy and I just need to get back in there into some sort of rigorous study to get it going again. So Yeah. yeah. Oh my gosh. But like, how are you doing right now? Like, let's just check in for, for a moment. The last few months have been quite heavy um, uh, with like the pandemic and also with like, you know, racial tension. Um, how are you, Miele? So I'm doing pretty well considering everything. Um, mm -hmm. And I think part of it is because I try to shield myself emotionally okay. um, as much as possible. So I don't really participate in social media Okay. Um, I, you know, I, I look at it very sparingly. Um, I also limit how much news I take in. Mm -hmm. um, I, I try to do it once a day instead of multiple times throughout the day. Yeah, um, but you live in the nation's capital. <laughs> I do. And your husband also works in, um, in the government, doesn't he? Yeah, he does. He does. Yeah. So, so it's definitely hard. Mm -hmm. Um, it's, it's definitely very challenging. And I feel mm -hmm. like right now I'm on survival mode. I just want to make it through. Right, right. Um, I hear people talking about, oh, since, you know, we're home for COVID, you should try to learn a new skill, a new language. Mm -hmm. And I just think those people are crazy. Not I feel like I just want to make it through to the other side. Right, right. I mean, <laughs> in one piece. <laughs> Nobody has, not everybody has the privilege to kind of go through things like this and get energy through yeah. them, right? Yeah. Um, and I've had to settle <laughs> for like way less than what I set out to do in 2020. I'm just like, listen, if I'm breathing. <laughs> That's a win. <laughs> ventilator. It's a, it's a win. Yeah, it's a huge win. Year. Yeah. That's how I uh, feel. But, but you just said the word energy. And the mm -hmm. thing that is giving me energy, interestingly enough, is being a part of the response to the racial unrest and the racial conversation. Yeah. You know, I feel like that more than anything, 
I think in a long time is giving me energy That's amazing. Um, mm-hmm. to, to just to take action, to, yeah. to be a part of the solution, to help. Yeah, indeed. We'll come back to that. Um, but I want to talk a little bit about your 16 years in government affairs. Okay. How did you end up in this space and what are your ambitions within it? So I ended up here um, by happenstance. Mm-hmm. So after law school, I moved back. I went to law school in Ohio mm-hmm. and I moved back to Virginia, um, the D.C. area. And I didn't have a job. The first day that I moved back, I had set up an appointment with a placement agency, a job placement agency. Mm-hmm. And I went there um, and they said, okay, we'll give you a call. You know, they, they liked me. They said, we'll look for something for you. We'll give you a call. So they were looking for something for me with the SEC, um, Security and Exchange Commission, because they mm-hmm. um, hire a lot of attorneys. Um, so that same day I had the interview, they called me at the end of the day and said, hey, uh, FedEx is looking for a temporary legislative assistant. Okay. Would you be interested? Um, I said, sure. They're like, yeah, it's just for one week. So you can do this while we're searching for, a, you know, a more permanent position for you. Right. A more permanent legal position. Um, and they said, oh, by the way, it starts tomorrow. I was like, sure. You know, I was, I felt very lucky. Like the first day I found something, right? Right. So I, I, I went over there the next day. Um, and I was there for the whole week. And on Friday they said, oh, we'll see you next week. I was like, okay, I guess I'm doing this job. No, I think what I love the most about this part of your story is that you, you were ready to jump in to to have a start, get your foot through the door, right? It was not Mm -hmm. the perfect job by any chance, but it was, it was available and you went in there. And I'm sure that after that week, they were like, we gotta, we gotta have her. Well, it was, it's probably, I think what, it was the best opportunity that I could have had. Mm, you know, the one week turned into five months mm, after which um, mm. I had a really good relationship with the head of the office who was a senior VP of government affairs. And um, she was on a board of a nonprofit organization that did legislative work mm-hmm. on issues impacting women and families. Mm-hmm. And she, you know, asked me to join that organization. Mm-hmm. Um, so she recommended me. I went over there for about a year and then she's, she said she wanted me back <laughs> at mm-hmm. FedEx and um, had an opening and she wanted me to apply for it. And I got that job. Mm-hmm. Um, so I ended up coming back to FedEx and I was there for six years. So um, I think, taking that opportunity and just giving, giving it my all, even though it wasn't what my goal was for myself. Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted to be a government attorney um, mm-hmm. or be a legal aid attorney. That was my, my dream coming out of law school. Right. Um, mm-hmm. and this was something I'd never thought about. And then wow. I fell into it and I love it. So <laughs> that's incredible. Yeah. So what are you, like your long-term goals in this space? Is it still in this space or what are you passionate about? So the one thing about me is I'm not so tied to um, certain positions or mm-hmm. certain um, functions. It's much more about what I feel like I'm giving, I'm able to, to give to the position right. and what okay. I'm able to get from it. Mm-hmm. So my long-term goal is to be in a position where, where I feel like I'm actually making an impact. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I'm helping to drive progress. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, I'm actually 
doing something for the greater good, right? right. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I remember during COVID, our office was working like 16 hour days. It was mm-hmm. really hard. And my husband, you know, looked at me one day and, you know, said, why are you doing this? Like, go to sleep, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, no, babe, we're saving lives here, we're you know? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> like, I can't go to sleep. And mm-hmm. so meaningful for me to be able to contribute in that way. Right. It really. So your guiding light has always been impact and continues to be. What exactly. impact are you, are you having? That's a really great exactly. way to. To think about it. So I, I used, you just mentioned that you were like, you know, working your, how much you were working during this time of COVID-19 being in, in government affairs. What has been some of the challenges that you, you faced in the last couple of months? Um, I think sometimes people think that we have all the answers or that mm-hmm. we can move mountains when we can't. Okay. Um, mm-hmm. You know, we, we have relationships and we understand you know, how to deal with the government, but mm-hmm. a lot of those things take time. And I right. think sometimes people expect us to have an immediate turnaround mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. for them. So just kind of managing expectations is, right. is big for us, making sure that people understand, like, we can do stuff, but, mm-hmm. you know, it's not going to be overnight. What has it been like going up against a government that has not had the best COVID response right now? <laughs> Well, so I think the government did a wonderful job in passing the CARES Act and infusing okay. a tremendous amount of, of money into the economy mm-hmm. um, that really helped hospitals that were really mm-hmm. hurting. It helped the states that were really okay. hurting. Mm-hmm. Um, and it also helped companies that, that are in the healthcare space because um, they were also able to better serve their customers um, and, and kind of leverage some of that funding and keep their okay. liquidity going as well. Right. So I think they did a really good job um, in that regard. Mm-hmm. I think where there's been some, some challenges has been particularly around managing, you know, state versus federal response mm-hmm. when it came to, um, you know, social announcements on social distancing, stay at home mm-hmm. orders, okay. you know, how we're approaching this. Is it from a federal perspective or a state perspective? And mm-hmm. there are different opinions on which would have been better because we have countries who did more of like a national lockdown. Right. Um, right. And they saw some, yeah. you know, accelerated results that way versus kind of the localized response. But right. Right. I love your, I love your response on this because this is, you can, well, I guess I started off the question with that this government didn't do so well, because that's the perspective <laughs> of all of us outside looking at America. Oh, right. Interesting. Yeah. And you are like sitting in a space that actually has more insights into like, you know, what, what has happened um, and what has been impactful. Um, so I love that you're sharing that with us. Definitely. Oh, glad to. <laughs> on here. Okay, so let's let's go back to um, inclusion and, and diversity work. Definitely um, amazing that you pour yourself so much into it. What have you been up to, Miali, on this front? I have been again trying to be a source of support um, <laughs> and and assistance and a voice for for folks who may not have one or did not have one before. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I work for a company who thankfully is very interested in also being a part of the solution. And so mm-hmm. I find myself with this wonderful opportunity mm-hmm. um, 
to seize this moment and contribute and do something that, you know, 20 years from now, my daughter can look back on and say, hey, my, my mom was a part of this movement. My mom helped to create change. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you have two kids. Yes. I and do. I think one of my favorite conversations with you the last few months has been when I saw they came on camera a couple <laughs> of times and I got to see them. Your son having had a bad dream. <laughs> yeah, and he was explaining yes. <laughs> explain the dream that went on and, and on. Ever. <laughs> I mean, that's the African in him, right? He's a storyteller. <laughs> He's going to give you like context first than like the rest of it. So I, I am not a parent myself, but I want to know what it has been like for you parenting the last few months, right? Through like two pandemics happening to black people, the coronavirus and also the racial one. So I think that's it's really forced me to be a little bit more introspective about my parenting and my approach to okay. parenting, especially around um race because I feel like sometimes we go on autopilot Mm -hmm. Um, there's so much going on and we're just kind of trying to make it through but with what's going on now in the racial conversation it's forced me to think about um, how I feel Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. and and that's been very emotional for me because I think because I have this I have this mentality of just keep moving forward right Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and so things happen and they might make me feel bad Um, And my automatic response when something makes me feel bad is to push through it um, and not dwell and just keep going, right? Mm -hmm. And I think because of that, I I definitely let a lot of things go. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I definitely don't... don't think about the impact that that has on me later on. Right. So even though I'm not spending the time to really be in the moment of what I'm experiencing, it impacts mm-hmm. my reactions and my behavior mm-hmm. later on. Um, and so I guess I'm becoming a little bit more self-aware mm-hmm. um, and then also being a little bit more intentional about how I'm approaching um, just kind of racial relation, you know, relationships, conversations. Mm-hmm. Um, and so because I'm going through all of that, um, right. the benefit to my, my kids is that I'm also being a little bit more intentional about, you know, what, how, um, what I'm exposing them to mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and understanding kind of trying to understand what they may be going through, how they're perceiving things. I think right now for them, the biggest thing is being cooked up in the house and not <laughs> being able to play with their friends. Right. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, I think they're definitely Kids are so simple, right? <laughs> exactly. Uh, but I just, I, I, I feel like it's important to, to raise them with kind of this, like, always in the back of my mind, eye to exposing them to diverse experiences, diverse people mm-hmm. um, and situations. So um, I think my husband and I have done a decent job of exposing them to diverse experiences mm-hmm. um we definitely try <laughs> we we like to do a lot of things and so we have been just since we had kids just taking them with us mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um when we do things and so you know we go to the theater so my, my son mm-hmm. you know started going to see the nutcracker ballet mm-hmm. at the age of one 
Okay. Um, mm-hmm. And he completely enjoyed it, was clapping. It was the cutest thing to see this one-year-old <laughs> baby clapping. Dying <laughs> the nutcracker. That's incredible. Yeah. And, yeah. and he, and since then, we've been going every, every year, every Christmas. It's been yeah. a, a family tradition now. Mm-hmm. Um, and he actually started taking ballet lessons and uh, auditioned to be in the nutcracker. Um, he did? He did. So I he love it. Yeah. <laughs> And so, I mean, I think that was like, that was a good experience for him. He realized because he was in, um, he was in private school where the majority of the kids in the school were, were white or, you know, non-black, only a handful Mm -hmm. of minority kids were in the school. Um, And we realized that he was not being exposed, I think, to a Mm -hmm. a diverse um, group of kids as as we would want. And Mm -hmm. so we put him in and other groups like the Boys and Girls Club that was mm-hmm. more diverse. Um, and and he really enjoyed it. So besides all these diverse experiences, also teaching them about, um, uh, I think the important thing right now that I've observed is just how people understand blackness mm-hmm. um, or, and the history and, and everything like behind it um, as well. How are you guys tackling that? So um, going back to my earlier comment about just first, like we have to be in a place where we understand our blackness and we embrace our blackness. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. that was definitely step one um, for us. Um, and, I, and I think, you know, for the kids, it's, it's interesting. Um, my, my son being like growing up in an environment where in the beginning, he was exposed to mostly non-black kids mm-hmm. and individuals. Um, he started kind of having a a little bit of a confused view, I would say, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> about like the difference in races. You right. know, and he would say things like, you know, um, I like I like white people, and mm-hmm. we're like, I'm like, that's great. And you like black people too, right? Yes. <laughs> you know. <laughs> and he's like, you know, he'd say things like, "Oh, mommy, I want to, I want a brother." And can he be white? You mm-hmm. know. Um, mm-hmm. And I remember when he first started saying things like that, my husband and I were just like, just in shock. We didn't know what to say, right, uh, mm-hmm. or how to respond. And mm-hmm. you know, we thought, okay, we have, we might have a problem here. Mm-hmm. Um, but then we realized, okay, he's just a kid, right? So all he knows is what we're showing him. Right. And so we started thinking about, well, what are we showing him? Mm-hmm. You know, and my, my husband and I have a very diverse group of friends, but our, our closest friends that we were spending the most time with at the time were all white, non-black individuals. Right. Um, and so we, we, you know, we then realized and understood that that's, you know, what he was getting. And so mm-hmm. to him... Um, that was just his reality. And so we started being a little bit more intentional about making sure that we were spending time with him around with mm-hmm. our non-white friends also. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so that he got kind of a, a fuller view. Um, and I think that that really helped. Um, we, okay. got books. we got you books. We got books. There was one book, Colors of the World, that I really like because it's, it's a lot of pictures mm-hmm. um, for young children. Um, and it shows just kids. The whole book is about kids. Right. Those kids from different parts of the world. And it talks about what kind of houses they live in, what kind mm-hmm. of clothes they wear, the different languages they speak. Right. The different skin tones that they have. 
um, and it's all very visual. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, and we talk about like, oh wow, it's so cool to like live in this kind of house in this part of the right. country, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Oh, what about here? And wow, look at the clothes. Um, and so we communicated to him how awesome the the differences were that everybody mm-hmm. was different, you know. Right. Um, and it's it's interesting because after that book, he started calling um, white people peach. And oh. so- <laughs> He'd say the darkest things, right? He was like, they're not white. They're more like peach. So Mm -hmm. um, he'd say, oh, this peach girl in my class said X, Mm -hmm. Y, (laughs) Z. Yeah. And he's like, look at himself. He's like, I'm actually kind of brown. (laughs) Yeah. And yeah. And he'll refer to himself as brown and not black, you know, Mm -hmm. so. Um, so, and we were like, you know, it's fine because he's understanding like colors are different and those mm-hmm. are the, the way he, see, that's the way he sees the colors. So, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so it was definitely a, I think a, um, a good experience as a parent mm-hmm. for us because um, I think we really, yeah, stopped and looked at kind of how we were, um, yeah. how that impacted the kids, you know. Right. So in this idea of becoming comfortable with your, with your blackness, what has been your experience with that? I think for me, it's been challenging. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's been a journey my whole life, um, particularly since my family immigrated to the U.S. when I was about 10 years old. Um, and America was like a whole new world. Mm-hmm. literally for me um being first generation it's hard when it's hard to to adapt and assimilate to assimilate to the to the culture the american culture when you feel like you don't belong anywhere right so you know the the black kids at school looked at me and said hey you're african you're not african-american so you're not like us Mm -hmm. um and so then i would go to the african kids and they would say things like well you don't speak with an african accent and you're not where's your accent where's my accent yeah yeah i got ridiculed for not having an accent it was just like bizarre to me right you know and then you know the the white kids or non-black kids were um like well you know you're black like mm-hmm. so I didn't feel like I belonged anywhere um interestingly enough I met my best friend um that year when we first came to America mm-hmm. and she was from she was from um Pakistan um my my childhood best friend right and she felt the same way and I think that's why we became best friends right uh, because mm-hmm. there weren't like, a lot of extended yeah. kids in the school and we just kind of came together and we were like the two people that didn't belong anywhere so we belonged to each other <laughs> you know <laughs> um gravitated towards each other we did we yeah. did um and and we're still friends to this day um I think it's it's really it's really hard even as an adult, right? You mm-hmm. know, you're at work and you might be the only black person in the room or one mm-hmm. of a few, and so you stick out. You feel like you don't belong. You try to cover mm-hmm. and try to you know be like everybody else, 
but there's this one big visual difference, right? right. So as much as right. you can cover to say, okay, I'm going to sound like everybody else in the room. I'm going to dress like everybody else. You know, mm-hmm. I'm going to wear my wig. So my hair looks like everybody else in right. the room. <laughs> you know, it's like, you're still, you're still different. Right. Um, right. And so it's definitely for me, I think been the struggle to belong mm-hmm. um, and to own who I am and to be comfortable right in skin. I- that, but then your kids are now like born and and raised there um and you are raising them now with like you know um more concrete values around that yeah and, yeah I, I think they're they're definitely um more confident in who they are mm-hmm. and more comfortable mm-hmm. in their skin than mm-hmm. than I was um, and, and I want to keep that going. That's yeah. kind of one of my priorities as a parent yes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> is mm-hmm. to make sure they continue to grow up confident in themselves and yeah. loving who they are and, you know, just owning it and embracing, right. embracing it. Um, I love it. I think that's, that's one of the, the positive things for me out of the racial discourse so far mm-hmm. um, is that I think, you know, I am owning who I am a bit more and I'm doing right. a little less covering. Mm-hmm. You know? mm-hmm. um, I think all the people protesting and speaking up are giving me power, right? To say, right. Okay too. And, sure. and I so appreciate that. You yeah. know, I so I'm so thankful to all the people out there protesting and Indeed. Um, Indeed. letting their voices be heard. Wow. Okay. Mieli. What is your hype song? <laughs> the song that just like gets you going. <laughs> my hype song um, is "Lose Yourself" by Eminem. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I love it. So, what significant moment in your life did you like reach into that <laughs> into that song? When I was taking the bar exam, mm-hmm. and you only want to take it, you know. Once, <laughs> mm-hmm, and you study for months and months, you know, and you spend all this three years in law school and all this money, mm-hmm. and it all comes down to this one test, one one test. Moment, mm-hmm. you know. So that was definitely my hype song because it talks about just seizing the moment and this is it, you know. Forget yeah. about like you're you're nervous. Yes, you just threw up in the bathroom because <laughs> you're so scared. Right, <laughs> you know, this is the moment. Yeah, but it's like do this. So. I love it. No, this is this is great. Um, what three words would you use to describe yourself? Um, so I would say driven, mm-hmm. energetic, and compassionate. Um, Driven is one that I've embraced recently because mm-hmm. I always thought that word had a negative connotation mm-hmm. um, and I resisted it. But so many people in my life, both personal and professional, would describe me that way. Oh, um, interesting. Why did you think it had a negative connotation? Um, I don't know. For some reason, I to me, it seemed selfish. It seemed mm-hmm. like you were focused more on yourself with how I saw it. Right. Um, and I don't know where that came from. <laughs> right. No. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've definitely realized that that was all wrong. Uh, right. Being driven is, is, a, is a powerful trade. It means that you're, you're focused on moving forward. You're focused on, mm-hmm. um, on, you know, getting results and making an impact, you know, mm-hmm. and 
Yeah. So I'm embracing that more. A friend of mine even it. gave me a bracelet. Oh nice. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> to like, you know, help me remember like it's okay to be driven. It was right. Um, it was very sweet of her. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, I can attest to the compassionate descriptor <laughs> as well, because you are just this person whose presence is so calming. Even your voice. I'm pretty sure people are going to enjoy this podcast because your voice is just like <laughs> I hope they won't be bored. <laughs> no, no, absolutely. Uh, I don't think so. Uh, because your your presence and your voice, and I, I'm so grateful to have had you in the last few months to talk about everything going on um, because it, it made me feel heard and, and feel like cared for and stuff like that. So thank you for being you, Miele. Oh, thank you, Nancy. Thank you for being <laughs> you. I was so excited when I met you. I just thought I, this is I know. an amazing woman. I have to oh be friends with her. Oh my gosh, yes. <laughs> Miele was like my African sister and <laughs> like now in this chat. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Okay, let's wrap it up. Um, what two pieces of advice would you have for other women of color out there? The um, mm-hmm. For the moms in particular, I would say it's okay not to do it all. I think we put a lot of pressure on ourselves and we mm-hmm. wear so many different hats and we try to be all things to all people. Um, and so especially now with COVID, you just have to let that go. It's okay. Yeah. It's okay not to do it all. And it's something that I learned particularly during COVID, but I'm taking with me out, mm-hmm. out of COVID, you know, mm-hmm. um, and it's, it's okay if, you know, the kids don't take a bath today. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I, I just love that advice um, because it's uh, from, from knowing you and, and your kids and your family and also this conversation, um, realizing that kids are so simple right (laughs) they won't even know what they're missing and I feel like you would be the one who is super worried about that things haven't been perfect um but they're literally just like I just want to camp outside or like I want to run around the yard um so I love that advice okay yeah I've, I've been letting them um, and and, and the, the second one would be to just approach every opportunity with energy and commitment. Um, mm-hmm. You don't know where the opportunity is going to lead. And right. like my hype song says, you got to seize it, right? Yeah. <laughs> and the opportunity might only come once in a lifetime. Yeah. Um, but you don't know it. And you so you have to approach it with all your energy and commitment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. Miele, thank you so much for coming onto the pod today. My pleasure, Nancy. Thank you again for the invitation. Of course. Um, I will talk to you um, pretty soon, definitely. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Have a great day. Have a great day. And uh, I hope yeah, your kids are going to be up in a while because I haven't seen them in the camera yet. Yeah, I'm surprised they're still sleeping. Usually they're up by now. Yeah, we've had calls at this time and they were up already. So I'm yeah. just... Yeah, I'm like... very surprised. <laughs> they, they played hard yesterday. Yesterday uh, was a... Ah, uh, so they must they be exhausted. Hard. Okay. Yeah. Oh, we'll say hi to them for me. I will. I will. Uh, bye, Miele. <laughs> Bye, Nancy. Thank you again. (laughs) Yeah, sure thing. Thanks so much for listening to Miele's story. And I hope you all, as you know, inspired by her as I am and also learned a lot. Um, Are you a parent of color? 
how have you been doing with parenting the last few months through both uh, the racial and, you know, COVID pandemic? Let me know on the Biscuit C Instagram or LinkedIn. And it would be great to know what resources you have been leveraging to help you in this time so we can share it with others. I'm going to put uh, Miele's favorite book in the notes section, as well as another book that I came across that I, I really love. Someone that I hope can be a guest on this show quite soon. Um, next time, I'll be reflecting on a theme that came out of the conversation with Miele. Until then, I'm your host, Nancy. Be safe, be empowered, and stay inspired.